Hello there, and welcome to the first edition of Insight Peterborough for 2022. I'm Devin Wilkins. A very happy new year to you. I hope you had a terrific Christmas break. And uh, yeah, a very happy new year, but also a very healthy new year. Uh, that is particularly important and has been this past couple of years, but especially now with this darn Omicron uh, variant, but we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, we have Kim Kilpatrick, who is um, usually appears on the first Monday of the month, but uh, our winter spring season wasn't uh, up and running by that time, so I've asked her to come on now, and um, she is going to be talking about pieces of technology that think that she thinks might come down the pipe maybe during 2022. And near the uh, end of the interview, there is a little bit of... Uh, diversion there where we talk about the uh, accessible box of chocolates that we uh, discussed uh, near the uh, end of the fall and winter season. Um, and so I, I decided to, to leave that in there uh, because uh, it does talk a little bit about the uh, how the box of chocolates is set up. And uh, Kim is telling us a little bit about her experience with that. So anyway, uh, before I give the whole thing away, here's our chat with Kim Kilpatrick, who is a program coordinator with Get Together with Technology, which is a wing of uh, the Canadian Council of the Blind. And by the way, I forgot to mention that this show is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you want any further information about that, uh, you can send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. So anyway, here is my uh, chat with Kim. Hi there, Kim, and welcome to 2022. Well, thank you, and welcome to everybody listening, and to you, Devin, in the 2022. Here's hoping it'll be a, a good year, and we get rid of COVID. Oh, that would be wonderful. So this month, we thought we'd talk about some of the new things that might be coming down the pipe for us in the coming uh, year or so. Are you excited about new technology, whether it's high or low? Well, yes and no. I, I, I guess that I, I am excited, but I also think, because I think a lot of the technology that will come will be, um, you know, artificial intelligence, sort of the smart speaker type things, and mm -hmm. maybe more smart, smart things. And I get a little nervous about them, that they know so much, and they... You know, they're listening all the time and that kind of thing. I'm a little bit old school, maybe perhaps, where I feel I don't know if I want that 
I don't yep. I want that um, amount of knowledge about me. Right. You know, going around. But on the other hand, one really interesting thing that's been happening recently is several people have been asking me about appliances and accessible appliances. And, you know, you and I remember, and, and I'm sure some listeners remember, um, that when we first bought a stove or a microwave or something, especially a stove, say, you had four burners, you could feel them, and you had knobs behind the burners that you could feel, and you could feel when they when they were pointing at 6 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, and you could, you know, you could yeah. know this is the temperature. The same with the stove knobs. But now a lot of things, and washer-dryers too, are touch screens. Yes. And you can't always label those. You can label them sometimes with locator dots, but sometimes there's menus or the menu changes. Or this lady was telling me she bought a stove and it was touch screen, but it wasn't triggered by pressure of you pushing on the button with your finger. It was triggered by heat. So if you moved your hands around on that, it would just activate everything. Because, oh, no. You know, like your hands are close to it. So she couldn't find any way of labeling that, had to return it and try to find something else. So the one thing I think that would be great if you've got these appliances that you could control with one of those smart speaker type things where you could say, um, hey, G, or hey, lady, whatever. I don't yeah. want to activate everyone's smart speakers or, right. or Siri or whatever. And you could tell it, turn my oven to 350 and set it, you know, whatever for this or I'm doing a load of wash. I want it set at cold, cold, or hot, cold. Or, um, so those type of things excite me, where you think of being able to, to say to certain devices that are hard to program, do this, right? Like turn my oven to this or something. Yeah. That, I think, would be exciting. And I think we're headed that way. I would, I would be surprised if we weren't. Um, because some of this technology is becoming less accessible for us otherwise. And these are things we need every day. Like, how are you supposed to, you're not going to call everyone you want to turn on your stove or something, you know, no. like, or turn your washer on or whatever. Yeah. No, there's things we use every day. So those types of that would excite me, you know, more of that. Yes. Um, also, um, paper braille technology, uh, which has been slowly starting to happen where, you know, it costs less to get a Braille display or Braille device, or maybe Braille could be on like an iPad, you know, like a whole iPad-type screen or, you know, something like that would be Braille. It would be all Braille, you know? Yes. Uh, that would, to me, that would be exciting. I would find that exciting. I don't know how close we are um, those things that w would be exciting. The other thing I find that I think they're getting towards is indoor navigation assistance. Yes. With apps. And I know the Accessibility app in Canada and the Good Maps in the U.S. And they're, they're working on this where, you know, you could go into a mall, which is a nightmare for me, a mall. Yes. Uh, just finding your way through and around and know what's around you and be able to be sort of guided to the place you want within a big building. Yeah. 
that is the one thing. I mean, some of the GPS apps that, that, that Victor Trek and the, uh, you know, the, the, the seeing, uh, no, Soundscape and some of these, these apps are pretty good for outside navigation, but for indoor navigation, nothing has ever gotten to the point where I could, by myself, you know, navigate a building I didn't know. Yeah, that's Or go right. to the mall and find a store I didn't know where it was. Right. Um, I have to go to a medical um, building this morning, and uh, I'm going to have to do some asking around to find which yeah. office is which. And that's a good point, too, because sometimes you go to a medical building, and hopefully you may only go once a year. Say, yeah. You know, say you go once a year to your doctor. You don't necessarily remember exactly. Like, if you go somewhere a lot, you'll remember, you know, I get off the elevator and I turn right, and it's the first door or something. And sometimes I make notes and I can read them and remember, but I go to the dentist twice a year, like, am I going to remember exactly where that door is and where's the thing? And, and, and like you said, and if now with COVID, when there's fewer people around to actually ask, it's harder to, to find people to, you know, to ask those things. Yeah, it is. It would be really good to be able to, to find that uh, available to us. I think that is coming, and I, I think that is, that is exciting to me, you know. Yeah. Um, those, those are the things that I would say. Is anything exciting you? Like, do you think of something that I haven't thought of that, um, you know, that is coming up down the pipe that, that would excite you? Uh, well, I like the idea of the uh, less expensive Braille displays, but the one comment I was going to make about those is that the the cheaper ones um, seem to make more noise when you uh, lift your fingers off the keys, don't you find? Yeah, the Orbit, right now the Orbit does, and also it seems to be having problems with pins not always popping up, like in the cell. So, yes, because of the technology it is, when you refresh the line, it makes an, uh, a lot more noise. So maybe they'll work on that. The other thing that I think Steel is going to be piloting this year, just piloting, not, not necessarily rolling out until they figure it out more, mm -hmm. but is, is being able to um, read your books through a smart speaker. Which could be really cool, like if they if they can get that um, level where you you know you you've logged in on your speaker and you request. Yeah. You know, you could say just start reading my book and it does. And, yeah. You know, um, they're they're looking at that, so that's another um, that's another thing they're also looking at. I think another player or, or I don't I don't know some sort of cartridge that they could load a whole bunch of books on and send it to people. Oh. I think that was sort of brought out of the problems with the pandemic in that for a while the beginning sealer was closed and people that needed CDs, so some people that weren't comfortable um, downloading their own books or you know using those things that they were still using CDs, they couldn't get them for a while. Right? Yes. So if you could load someone some whole bunch of books on something and send it to people or they could have a player that was already loaded with all these. I don't know, but they are looking at some new sort of ways of delivering books, which could uh, could really be good for some people, you know, that could be, could be really good, I think. That would be great, yeah. Have you been watching that um, 
the progress of that technology show in uh, Las Vegas that's happening you know, the first part of uh, the month here? No, I haven't. Uh, sometimes what I do, I don't really watch it, but sometimes I just wait for someone else to have gone to tell me what the highlights are. Yeah. There's always some weird things that you think, why would I ever want this? You know, like a fridge that tells you when you're running low on something. Yes. <laughs> that sort of, like I just opened the door or a toilet that, I don't know, these weird smart toilets and some kind of weird, Yes. You know, but every now and then I guess there's something that, that really, um, you know, gets you thinking or gets, gets you going on this. I still think, and, and people tend to ask every year about robotic guide dogs and some sort of guiding thing that would take you around. And I don't know that I would, um, I wouldn't prefer it. No. But I want the real know, thing. It's complicated. Like what they do is complicated, and I'm not sure that, like, I, I don't know how they would do that. Like how they would how it would go up and down stairs, like how it would, you know, like on the one hand, I mean, maybe it would be interesting, but I'm, I'm not ever, I'm not holding my breath for, um, for something like that. No. Uh, I listen no. to when, it whenever it's mentioned on the news, and the only uh, real things I've heard them talk about are those uh, robotic uh, vacuum cleaners. And yeah. also a uh, a smart litter tray for cats. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, oh. and supposed so, to pretty much you clean have it. Robotic uh, vacuum, like some people, some blind people have gotten them. I know. I, yes, I don't have one. I don't either. Uh, I've thought oh. about it though. Uh, when next I get a vacuum cleaner, I have well, they to. Supposedly work quite well. A friend of mine has one. She was having a lot of. Uh, she had chemo, and before she went got chemo, she said, "I'm going to get one because I don't I don't know if I'm going to feel up to doing it, right?" Yeah. And and one time when I was over there with my with Julia, with my retired guide dog, and and it it came out and started vacuuming because it was on the schedule, like where it was going to do it on Monday afternoon or whatever. Uh-huh. And and poor Julia, like because it's sort of erratic the way it goes. Yes. It so she was trying to get out of the way of it, and then it kept. Like it kept changing its mind, which oh, no. she, didn't, she didn't like that. And so, um, if you, it has these markers. It has these little, um, I don't know what you call them. They're little small things that you can mark off an area. Oh. The vacuum doesn't go there. So say, you know, you you said I don't want it on my, like, I don't know. I don't want it falling down the stairs, or I don't want it, you know, on my in this room because my kids' room and there's toys all over it or whatever. I don't yeah. Know. So we put them all around Tulia where she was lying in the sun and so that the vacuum didn't go, <laughs> like, didn't go where she was. So yeah. We put the markers around her and then, then it was okay. But, but yeah, it was, it was quite amusing to hear it, just a little song, and then it just starts coming out, just moving around. And she said it does a pretty good job. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, like, like, but it was, it was, but the poor dog just, just really didn't know where to go. Cause no. It wasn't like it wasn't, it wasn't going sort of in a straight path in a way, like it was kind of weaving in and out of things, and because and, she couldn't predict where it was going to be. Right. She wasn't yeah. impressed. She wasn't impressed with that. So, <laughs> poor pup. <laughs> yeah. But we, we fenced her in, and then it was okay. <laughs> 
Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's something that, that people definitely, um, and self-driving cars, like a lot of blind people talk about them, and, and, and some blind people really can't wait to get in one and drive it. Yes. And some say, no, 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 they, they have no, they don't want to. Um, but that's, you know, it, a few years ago, it seemed like they were right around the corner, but they're still having, you know, there's still big issues with them. So I don't know how long it's going to be before they become a big element of the I'd like to world. be able to have that convenience. Oh, too. I would too. And you know what I would like is to have the cab or the Uber or something be like that. Then you wouldn't have any guide dog refusals or any pro. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, you would just get in and you would go. Yeah. Um, but I think it's yeah. going to be quite a while before yeah. that happens. Yeah, I do. I do too. I think so. Um, right now, I think what they're saying is that somebody able to take control of the car has to be behind the wheel. So yeah. that excludes us, unfortunately, for the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would, I would love to be able to, um, to do that. Like, I don't know if I'd own one, but I would love to be able to borrow one or rent one or whatever, yeah. you know, and go somewhere if I felt like it, you know, or go to the pet store and pick up a big heavy bag or something. Or, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, what I have to do is take a bundle buggy with me, uh, yeah. yeah, which is a bit of a hassle, but you have to do what you have to do. Well, and especially in the winter, it's harder, yeah. right, taking those, and um, yeah, like, like it could be really convenient, more convenient for certain things, definitely. Yes. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how that progresses. Yeah and how accessible they are and all of that kind of thing. So, so those are some things. I just worry that, um, again, I worry about privacy. I sometimes worry about things becoming too complicated, like um, too enmeshed, you know, yes. in, our, in yeah. our lives. And, and I just, like, it's good to try to think of the balance, you know, that balance. Yes, yeah. It's uh, good for us to continue to feel like we're in control. Yeah, like I don't want my computer to tell me, no, you shouldn't go out. You have a fever of like 99. Yeah. No, you're not allowed to go out, you know, or something. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want, oh, no, you shouldn't eat that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> um, I, I, I have heard there are starting to be more and more ways of testing things like blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Kim. I got one, I just got one of those uh, box of chocolates with the uh, the accessible box of chocolates. Oh, I got one for Christmas, a Braille box. Yes, yes. I think I'm going to keep the, uh, 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 the box. Um, who knows whether I might get the chance to do some presentations during White Cane Week. Thank you very well, much. Yeah. That's it was terrific. It's really cool. I, I opened it on World Braille Day, actually. I went, did you? Yeah. I okay. Did. And uh, uh, it has a cool, cool legend. It's not in print, only in Braille. Yeah. And uh, it has the rows of chocolates. Like, there's a little line between each chocolate, so you know, like on the legend. So you, 
And when I, I mean, I, I, it's a bit unhygienic because I had to count across the chocolates and touch them to find the yes. one I wanted. But, but, yeah, it was cool to be uh, able to figure out what they are by yourself. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Terrific. Well, that's great. I'm yeah. glad you got table. that. That that was a very that was very great that they did that and they sold out so fast. I think they were going to produce more of them. Yes. Hopefully they'll keep them. Maybe they'll keep them all the time. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, that'll be yeah. good. And then come all the way from Vancouver, I think. Although I got um, Richard got one for me in the Rito Center in Ottawa, so they oh store, but they only had a few. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did sell out Thanks, Renee. So they did so. have some, and, and the lady yeah. in the store was so excited that it was going to someone that was blind, and she was just like... Yeah. I never thought that blind people couldn't figure out the chocolates. Like, never occurred to her, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I guess that's a good way of uh, of bringing our uh, interview for this month to, uh, to an end, Kim. Yeah, well, thank you. And if anyone has... Um, thoughts about what they what they think about the future of technology, or what they would like to see. Like probably we might have forgotten something. Um, let us know. It would be interesting to hear people's ideas about that. Yes, definitely. And uh, insightpeterborough at gmail dot com is the uh, address to to uh, email us, and I'll share it with Kim. So thanks very much, Kim, and I uh, look forward to talking to you around the uh, first part of uh, February. Sounds great to me. All right. Okay. You take care. You too. Well, if you're a regular listener to this show, you'll probably remember that January 4th is World Braille Day, and I learned just recently that January is now considered World Braille Month. So I dug back into the archives and found a panel discussion about the usefulness and uh, the multiple uses of Braille that we did on January 6th of 2019. And the panelists are Deborah Thomas, who is a Braille user who lives here in uh, Peterborough, and she's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, John Morris of um, Country Spotlight, which uh, is now on on Friday mornings between 9 and 10, and uh, he and his wife, Lynn, are the uh, hosts of the show. And also Justin Evangelo, who has been a a student at Trent University and uh, has had a show on Trent Radio, a couple of shows actually, on Trent Radio. So here is, is that panel discussion. To start this subject of uh, discussion of Braille, I have a confession. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Shock value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) My my confession is that when I heard about the uh, 
letters to Santa Claus that you could send to H-O-H-O-H-O, I was awfully tempted to send Santa a letter in Braille. (laughs) And uh, I only found out, I, I actually resisted the temptation, but I only found out this past year that actually children can send Letters to Santa in Braille as long as they send them in early enough so that CNIB can um, interpret uh, uh, Braille into print for Santa. Terrific. Uh, Devin? Yeah. Years ago, my brother helped Santa out when he came to my house because Santa didn't know how to use a Brailler. So my brother got my brailler, put paper in it, he did that well, and he tried to write me a note in braille. I had it for many years. Problem is, I couldn't read it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. All right, so I thought while while we were here, one thing we could uh, talk about is um, how useful was Braille to you as uh, as children. Um, uh, Debbie, maybe we could start with you, can we? Sure. Um, I attended the Ross McDonald School for the Blind and I learned Braille when I was in grade one. I had a lot of trouble with it though. I, I didn't like it. I tried to resist in, and get out of uh, reading because I was diagnosed with uh, dyslexia when I was 21 of course it was too late then to do <laughs> to do anything but about it but um, Braille was and still is very important um, because I find that now that I've I've really uh, pushed myself and fortunately for myself I had the help of my uh, my grandmother who was blind and my mom who, is, who was at the time partially blind, she uh, really um, encouraged me and pushed me to keep up my reading. And I'm so glad that she did because I, I read and read and read and read. And um, I find that it's important to have contact with the written word if if you can and i personally i find when i read braille i can memorize more about a book that uh, that i'm reading and today i have on my wrist uh, a bracelet that i got from the cnib when i retired from uh, my job at the, at the switchboard and it's a bracelet and uh, has the braille alphabet each letter is a, is a, uh, uh, a letter of the, the Braille alphabet. Okay. And uh, talking about uh, Santa Claus and, and the likes, I sat down and I wrote a couple of Braille letters to some uh, uh, singing groups that I liked. And one uh, happened to have been um, the uh, the Rovers, the Irish Rovers, <laughs> who were out uh, out in BC at the time. And I guess, uh, uh, well, my dad uh, underscored it. And um, somebody from the CNIB, I guess, helped one of their agents sort of uh, t- translate it. 
And the uh, the Rovers wrote, uh, well, they wrote, uh, of course, a printed letter back to me. And somebody from the the Braille transcription department, I guess, at uh, in BC, they brailed what they uh, what the Rovers wrote to me. So that was oh, really cool. that was really 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 special. Yeah. So that's great. So, uh, John, uh, how useful has was Braille to you when, when you were going to school? Extremely useful. I, um, like like uh, Deb, I went to W. Ross and I learned Braille, or Braille at grade one. And um, I love it. I think, contrary to popular belief amongst some of the younger Folks, Braille is a passe, a passe uh, tool. It is not. Braille is still very, very widely used. Um, in fact, I know of a couple of restaurants in town that still have full Braille menus. One of them being uh, uh, the fish place. Uh, Red Lobster. Oh, Red, Red Lobster. Lobster. Oh. They have a full volume of Braille. Oh. So it's it's a great thing. I loved it because I was able to read and I could, like if dad or mom asked me a question when I lived at home, I could talk and I could still read <laughs> and uh, keep, keep, you know, keep up with the book. I loved reading Braille. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to mention uh, there, uh, John, that if you go to an elevator, you'll find Braille yeah, symbols, yeah. and there's a lot yeah. of places out anywhere you might go that you might find a Braille symbol yeah. to give you directions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now, Justin, uh, where's this microphone? Okay. I have my own mic, Doug. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's turned on or not. Uh, yeah, it is. Me. Okay, it is. Yeah. Um, Justin, you did not go to uh, W. Ross. I did not. Did you? No, I learned Braille actually from a very young age. I'll give you a quick autobiography of me. I started learning actually with dominoes, and it was my late grandfather, Tony Gilmore, who uh, first thought that if I couldn't read print, that I should basically get my fingers used to the idea of tactility. So what he did was he bought me some dominoes with holes in them just to get me used to it. Then I went, uh, I actually went to St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Elementary in Newcastle, Ontario. And I had an educational assistant and a teacher, uh, a site teacher, Ann Lands, and uh, together, oh, yeah. yeah, you know that name, don't you, John? <laughs> and uh, together with my educational assistant, Elaine Austin, they worked tirelessly to uh, teach me the, the code of bumps. And that's paid dividends. Uh, early on, my reading level was far inferior to all of my peers, and I was getting increasingly frustrated because up until around grade two, um, I, I, I wanted to prove to the teacher that I could read the hard books. And then around grade three, four, and this is common for, for most Braille users who go through the typical education system and don't go to, say, a specialized school like W. Ross, their reading level, because Braille takes a little bit longer to learn, from what I've heard, is a little slower in the beginning, and then it just 
takes off exponentially when they get into the middle and higher grades. And I'm so glad. I, I wanted to learn the code, and I, I was so hungry to, once I learned the alphabet, I got so bored with it, I can remember in about grade two, that I wanted to learn all the contractions at once. And then I got, <laughs> I got very confused um, as yeah. to what they were, and so I was told to slow down and, and take it one contraction at a time. Uh, nowadays, I, I can't express how great Braille is to me because of the fact I can sit down with a with a Braille book. What the Sella Library is doing, a Center for Equitable, Equitable Library Access is doing because of the extra funds from the federal government uh, to produce personalized Braille books to keep on your bookshelf. Although your family members may grumble that it takes up a lot of space, um, certainly pays off in the long run because you can literally sit down with the book and you, it's right. You, you're right. You retain much more when you're reading a physical copy of a book yes. uh, as opposed to sitting down and reading digitally, which I have to do for a lot of uh, my university classes. I'm a freshman at, at Trent right now and you, you just don't retain as much. And also too, you feel like you're part of the story. If you choose to read fiction as you're flipping the pages, the personal experience, it's just, it's, it's part of, well, it's psychological as well as uh, physical to to have that book in on your lap as you're flipping through the pages, no matter how cumbersome it may be to put in a bag and travel around with it, um, is is undeniable. And then there's also the aspect that was mentioned by John too of, uh, and I think Bob as well of having the elevator signs and stuff. In fact, I think Braille has is sort of been put more into the mainstream, and to call it sort of passe or a waste. Uh, not only is incredibly insulting, it's also incre incredibly ignorant because of the implications it holds. Absolutely. You know, uh, also there's uh, audio books, and uh, there's also the uh, lending library at the CNIB. Mm -hmm. I'm not just too sure uh, what they're, they're doing these days, but they used to send out tapes uh, years yeah. ago. It, they're, they're CDs now, or sometimes you can get a digital download depending yeah. on your account. And Bless them. They've got the uh, the uh, electronic braille in it. With, yes, yes. With the electronic uh, braille devices, uh, you know, there's there's really no excuse not to read braille. <laughs> really, there isn't. I, I, you know, I carry my my braille edge around with me, and it's a note taker and a large document reader. And uh, even though I sometimes don't need it when I've got it with me, it's it's handy if I. I need to take uh, information down, can braille it, and then I can uh, read it back to myself and uh, put it on braille paper if uh, you know the, the, need, the need arises and and stuff like that. And it's uh, you know I I speak very very highly of the electronic braille devices mm -hmm. because I have problems with my with my back and my shoulders, and I thought for sure I was going to have to give up braille reading. But then when I found out about the, uh, the, the Braille devices, uh, the, like the focus devices and the, uh, and the Braille Edge, and this new device, the uh, Focus 40 Blue 5th Generation, this is what I'm looking forward to getting sometime this month. And uh, they're very portable. They're very light in weight. You can, uh, you know, take them with you. I uh, use my Braille Edge a lot at the, uh, a lot at the church. Uh, I ended up in the hospital one night for about four hours, and boy, was I ever glad I had that braille edge. <laughs> Just laying on a bed, waiting for the nurse to come in, take my blood pressure. Oh, my God. So 
uh, I was reading a good story, and uh, my Braille Edge was, uh, it came in so handy for me that day, was I ever glad. That's fun. John, do you uh, find that you use Braille in your adult life? Yes, I, um, I use the Braille Edge some. I still use my um, embosser. Boy, do the neighbors love that. I'll bet they do, Folks, it, if you've never heard... Sounds like a giant woodpecker. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like rapid-fire machine gun. <laughs> and, and if you've got multiple pages, oh, boy, it's, it's something else. But there again, Devin... The technology has changed so much. In the old days, my first one, the Romeo Pro 50, it would actually shake the table. Like it would, it would actually make the table shake. But this, these newer ones, they're a little quieter, but not much. And thank God, mine is. Um, double-sided so it doesn't take near as long to do it i remember uh, when those metal brailers you could hear them they would clunk away and clunk away are they all passe now those big old metal i recall them typewriters i gotta get mine fixed i've had mine for 46 years yeah me too and it's now starting to really tighten up i don't know if there's anywhere that i know what's wrong with it but i can't fix it i got one too it's a nice perkins i've had it for about five years oh yeah perkins yeah yeah yeah, yeah a nice metal clunker that weighs about <laughs> yeah. 20 pounds every yeah, time you carry right. it it feels like a brick on your arm yeah, yeah they come in handy especially well, with do. with jot yes. note taking and stuff like that but it's a long way from your braille edge isn't it <laughs> oh yes yes and uh, and a whole lot noisier than the Braille Edge or the Pocket Guide. <laughs> Justin, when, when you were learning uh, Braille, mm-hmm. I don't know how closely I am to That's close enough. Yep. Uh, when you were learning uh, uh, Braille, did uh, because you're a fair bit younger than any of the rest of us, did, did you use the Pocket Guide? I didn't. Um, no, I actually, I when I tried to learn by stylus, because it's something I picked up on my own and out of curiosity, I found it so cumbersome and so laborious that they said, okay, you know what, forget it. Just stick to the brailler, and then we'll buy you an embosser and download Duxbury onto your laptop so you can run your notes off and whatnot. Uh, to this day, I when I have to use it, I will, but I'm definitely not proficient. Uh, definitely not proficient with that instrument. <laughs> I should I should maybe explain to those who don't know anything about Braille. If you think of a pen and paper, the uh, pocket guide and stylus are pretty much equivalent to that. But there again, you get the tick 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 as uh, people as you're writing Braille. And uh, I've had people um, accuse me of playing with beads and uh, <laughs> stuff, uh, you know, when, when I was taking uh, notes um, uh, at seminars and that sort of thing. Uh, but at that point, um, that was the quietest thing that was available. And then the brailler or braille writer is uh, more equivalent to a typewriter. 
and um, you know how noisy those could be if you're if you're 40 or older, or maybe 30 or older, you know how noisy um, a typewriter and therefore a brailler could be. And uh, just in the past few years, they've come out with, as Debbie mentioned, a braille edge or d displays, braille mm -hmm. displays. There are several types uh, available, and they're fairly quiet. Yep. <laughs> so, so when when you I take notes now at Trent, um, uh, Justin, um, do you record your seminars or lectures, or do you take braille notes? My system works because I'm new to the whole game. I'm still ironing out the kinks, obviously, to what best suits me. So far, I have been using uh, something called a Plex Talk, and ah. it's it's a little recorder has an SD card. You stick it in, you record your lectures, and it's got per SD card depending on how long it, uh, how much storage it has. Sorry. Uh, you've got about 60 hours of lecture on there, which is terrific. I've looked into the device you're talking about, that the quieter version of the Braille, let's say, the Braille note taker, and it, it just wasn't for me. If I'm going to make any notes, I love the Brailler because I usually keep it in my dorm room. Um, yeah. It's not something I'm going to lunk around, and I have a computer fully equipped with JAWS, Microsoft Word, and all the note-taking software and programs I could ever imagine to sustain me within the lecture and seminar environment. And like I said before, the, the Brailler for me now, it, it hasn't become irrelevant, but it's become less relevant. I only write the super condensed, important information for all my notes and lectures that I need uh, on the Brailler in my dorm room. So I'm not disturbing people as much, although I do get complaints from both my neighbors. Uh, that noise is coming through the wall. <laughs> Justin, uh, is there such a thing as a computer Braille printer? Well, that's the embosser John talked about. Okay. So, yes, there is. And uh, they're, they are making them quieter. They're trying to anyway. Uh, when I was going through high school, they had, uh, they had well, I had a, a Romeo attache. It's a little, looks like a little suit, square suitcase, and it's not very loud. And then my Braillist, who helped uh, transcribe a bunch of work for me into Braille, which I've now moved away from in high school. Um, she had a Tiger Max, and that thing made a lot of noise. It sounded like it was ripping the paper right out, right out of the machine. So uh, that would be the equivalent of uh, a, a Braille printer because it, it brails exactly what you have on the document. Otherwise, uh, would you have to have special paper as well for that? Yes, yes you have to have Braille paper. You buy it by the, the bundle, and it's perforated. And it's expensive. <laughs> it is. Uh-oh. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. The Braille displays and the uh, note takers, and you almost have to sell, you know, to uh, sell your house and your land. And <laughs> yeah. So, so the last question that I have um, is one that many of us get. Isn't Braille passe? Um, <laughs> really, Debbie, I've never once had someone ask. Actually, yes, I have. Is that right? I'm lying. De De Debbie, <laughs> let's hear what your answer is. The Braille will always have a place. Um, you know, there's the thought that uh, with the younger folks that are, are going through school, they, they can just use the computer and... Uh, you know, if they want to, they can do that, but Braille is still very, very widely used. And like I said uh, uh, earlier, with the electronic devices, there really isn't any excuse not to learn Braille. 
Um, I, I think it's—I um, think it is—it uh, it should be taught in in schools. I think the uh, the kids should be uh, exposed to it and uh, learn to just get the feel of it. Mm. You know, you may not be able to read it, and that's okay too. But uh, the opportunity should be there. How and many how many books can you put on that device you're talking well, about? Well, I got about forty-five. Oh, and it's all on an SD card. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. You download it from the uh, the 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 library, the electronic Braille. If it's a text file or, or a braille file, you're fine. And, uh, you know, you just, after you download it, you can just place it into the device and you would just call up uh, the, the file that you want. In my case, uh, you know, I would just, I do do a search with the, uh, the braille edge, is kind of like a little computer. Yeah. Do a little search and then it'll come up uh, titles and you select the titles that you want and hey, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> John, your uncle Bob. <laughs> John, John, what do you have to say uh, when people ask when people ask you that? I would I would say that Braille is still very relevant. Um, I have a Braille watch. It's a lot easier. You can check the time without bothering everybody with. That time is nine o'clock. <laughs> I um, have one of those watches right now on me my wrist. Too. <laughs> but. And I'll tell you one more thing, Devin, to answer your question. Um, I just found out recently that um, my guide, my guide dog school, in, in it, uh, leader dogs for the blind. When you are getting a new dog, you can get your lecture material in CD form, in MP3 form, large print form, or Braille. That's good. Everything, every pamphlet on any of their programs. If I need Braille copies, however many I need, I can get it. They have their own embosser there. So if a guide dog school doesn't think it's passe, then it shouldn't be passe. No. Uh, Justin, um, you're from a different era, of course. <laughs> I was but... just about to say that, but you beat me to the punch. <laughs> um, my stance on it. Um, yeah. Coming from a different era, I guess a more modern one, not to offend anybody in this room. <laughs> uh, I think it's still extremely relevant. Like I said, people, as much, it, it sort of reminds me of the same argument where people say there's so much audio uh, software and, and tech for those who have sight impairment and those who are fully blind, why do you need Braille? Well, I bring up this same argument about, well, how come you don't throw away your paperbacks and your hardcovers and go right to digital? How come you don't, you know, how come you don't just read off a screen? And then they say, well, we're transitioning. I said, books will never die. Braille, neither were Braille. Braille, it, it serves its purpose because it's the equivalent to someone who has sight impairment, in my eyes, pardon the pun, as print is to a sighted person. Yeah. And how the hell could you ever do away with print? Yeah, exactly. Like, how could you ever? 
in order to create the audio, someone has to read the print. So why would you take away blind print? Yeah, there's there's nothing like uh, being able to curl up with a book, <laughs> as they say. Um, okay, and then of course there are things like playing a card game with somebody, of course. Mm -hmm. or Scrabble, or Bingo, exactly. uh, labeling uh, cans yeah. of food. You know, um, people don't always have the three thousand dollar piece of equipment to uh, be able to um, to do that sort of thing other than with Braille. And uh, so I think um, the jury is uh, definitely returned on the idea of uh, Braille being very feasible today. Well, the uh, people we have here today uh, certainly uh, know their Braille and use it, it looks like a regular times. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> We incorporate it to, into many of our daytime activities and maybe even some nighttime activities. Who knows? I just for choir. When I, uh, the, uh, the lady at the, at the church, she will email me the, uh, the, the congregational songs. And uh, again, I just download all the information on, onto uh, my SD card or... If I have a lot of time in the afternoon, and I really, uh, I like to braille all the songs individually. It may take me about an hour and a half, but I practice my braille. Yeah, you, know, you it, bet. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to do. You know. Yes, and I use the I use the braille for the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, to as kind of a fitting. Uh, closing to the subject after I say thank you to all of you for coming in. Um, uh, there's a song on that USB drive, Bob, called uh, by Terry Kelly, and it's called Merci Louis. And of course, Louis Braille was the inventor of Braille. He lived, was born back in 1809, and uh, after losing his sight to uh, an accident with his father's uh, saddle-making tools, uh, and the eye infection spread from one to the other, um, he decided that it was important uh, to invent a way for people who are blind to be able to read readily. So a singer in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, named Terry Kelly, um, who also uses Braille, uh, wrote this song called Merci Louis. Little Louis lost his sight in his papa's workshop in the town of Coupe Flores. The saddle makers all that pierced his eye In time would help the blind to read and write For the soldiers of Napoleon's war The tactile night reading code was born Capitaine Barrier showed young Louis when the war was through Who modified it finger-sized to do the six dots we all use 
about going to tie the ribbons on another edition of Insight Peterborough. Have yourself a wonderful week and I look forward to uh, chatting with you come next Monday. In the meantime, stay safe and be well. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>